A word about instructions. Offering these thoughts in the morning about your practice. We can and often do, I think, consider instructions as something to do. And mostly what I'd like you to consider this offering in the morning is not something to do, but more a description of things you might be able to recognize or notice in your experience. So it's a pointing to things, possibility of things you might see. And the very discussing or talking about these perspectives might, I don't know, incline you to start recognizing them. And so that's part of the purpose of the instructions. And the basic, the basic um, things that we do, as I uh, said that first night, the three yogi jobs of cultivating wise view, being aware, and encouraging the the continuity of mindfulness. That's our basic work. Today what I'd like to talk about is an aspect of this, uh, how uh, ways perhaps or interest in areas that might support us to become aware in a more continuous way. And that's to look at, explore, the possibility of recognizing where we lose awareness. Recognizing where, how, situations in which we lose awareness can support our taking an interest in those times, those states of mind, those situations. And in taking an interest in them, it can kind of naturally increase the energy effort for observing those situations. Cultivating interest is a really helpful support for our light touch of effort. When we get interested, what we're interested in the Effort naturally follows. The energy naturally can go, will go to those things that we're curious about and interested in. So losing awareness. We might, we might lose awareness in specific activities, things that we do. You might notice throughout the day, for instance... There are particular things that you're doing, your yogi jobs, or whenever you go into your room, going into the dining room at the beginning of a meal. There may, these may be times where we, uh, we tend to lose awareness. Reading is another one, um, having offered the books and encouraged, suggested the uh, reading practice, 
that may be another place where you tend to lose mindfulness. So the exploration here would be not necessarily to stop the activity, and certainly there are things we can't necessarily stop. I mean, like going to the bathroom, for instance, you might lose awareness when going to the bathroom. And I wouldn't say, well, just because you lose awareness there, stop going to the bathroom. But the encouragement is to um, this is where the language gets challenging. I, I try to, to keep the language out of the doing, you know, um, and more to the recognizing. So let's say, it, uh, rather than try to be aware when you go to the bathroom, <laughs> let's say it's possible to take an interest in, you know, becoming aware, recognizing, let's say, recognizing those times, those places where you lose awareness. You may be um, doing walking meditation and then recognizing, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. Having recognized, I tend to lose awareness in the bathroom. That can increase or spur your interest to checking out how does that happen that I lose awareness in the bathroom? So kind of um, adding a little interest to that activity might allow us to uh, be able to spread the mindfulness into that terrain. So just taking an interest in those places where you tend to lose awareness and you know, not necessarily stopping that activity, but seeing if you can increase or encourage the interest in how getting lost happens in that activity. So one example from my own practice along these lines of a situation, uh, on one retreat I noticed um, myself waking up staring into the mirror in the bathroom and not having recognized that I was intending to even look in the mirror. I would just become aware, staring at my face. And this happened enough that I began to get interested in it. You know, I, I don't notice this. It's I, I, I'm actually fairly present in... Uh, in the bathroom, and at some point I recognized, well, it happened as I was washing my hands, and so I started like, okay, I'm washing my hands. And then something, I would lose awareness, and then, you know, three minutes, three seconds later, it'd be there I would be, staring at my face in the mirror. It's like, wow, how does that happen? So rather than trying to, you know, force myself to stay present for, um, you know, being right there with hand-washing, I got curious about that whole process, that whole activity. So again, not trying to prevent the mind from doing what it does, but being curious. Can the awareness follow where it goes? So I did eventually, you know, get to the place where I would notice I was washing my hands, and I noticed the intention to look up at myself in the mirror. You know, it wasn't some deep uh, childhood um, <laughs> thing, you know, that I found myself staring at the mirror. It was a kind of a habit, you know. It was just a, a habit of looking up when I washed my hands and I got lost. But the, you know, the, the practice did um, allow me to add that little bit of continuity to the to the uh, to the mindfulness
We can also get lost in states of body. Um, You know, one classic place we could get lost is in a painful um, body. You know, that when there is pain in the body, the mind might tend to space out, get lost, move into distraction, move into fantasy, whatever. We all have kind of strategies. Our mind has constructed strategies for avoiding um, pain. In my own experience, I see with pain, um, I've begun to really clearly see how this process unfolds, that there's a not liking of the pain, and the not liking um, leads to a kind of a, a slight disconnection from the body. And then from there, the mind goes into a kind of a mental cocoon. And without seeing that process, the mind easily gets lost in that mental cocoon. Kind of a, a fuzzy, little protected place where there's a, kind of a, a dissociation almost from body sensation. It would be, it's very easy to get lost in that. You know, that, that with the pain in the body, the mind can easily go to these zoned out, fantasy, distracted spaces. Sometimes I find my mind going to singing when there's pain. You know, the so mind has all of these strategies for dealing with difficulty. And again, it's not that I'm suggesting to force yourself to stay with the pain, but watch the process that your mind engages in. It's possible, and what I've seen is possible, is to see the mind move to that, in this example, not liking. So that's seeing that filter. And then potentially even seeing the, the movement to that mental cocoon that the, the, the mindfulness can move into that terrain. This is something I've been encouraging you to explore, that places where you think inherently mindfulness can't penetrate, spaced out, zoned out, fuzzy, dull mind, we kind of almost inherently think the mindfulness can't go there. It's possible for the mindfulness to go there. So we can uh, just explore these places where we tend to get lost in this way. So learn from these strategies. Actually, um, I found uh, that the particularly the strategies around pain. On one retreat, I was recognizing that when the mind got spaced out when there was pain in the body, you know, the pain is not a problem when the mind was in that state. So there was no, the, the, it, the mind had learned how to, to find a way to a place of not being reactive to the pain by putting itself in this cocoon. It also got lost in that process m- much of the time. But when I got interested in that exploration... I recognize, wow, it's possible for the the body to be in pain and the mind to not be reactive. That's possible. 
and the possibility also of being aware in these states of uh, kind of spaced out, what we would call spaced out. There's there's a kind of a mental um, state of mind that the mind kind of can gravitate to. Our minds have learned these strategies and we can be aware of them, aware of those states of mind. What I've seen for myself in exploring this um, process of the not liking uh, to this disconnection from the body to this mental cocoon is that, you know, that's kind of a habit of my mind to do that when there's pain. And in the clear recognizing of the not liking, the mind can simply hang out. There's pain and there's not liking. And it doesn't have to go those extra steps. And sometimes it can just be, oh, there's pain. And the not liking doesn't even have to arise. So, um, you know, rather than... The way this practice unfolds a lot is through seeing what the mind does and then the mind learning from what it does. And there's a, a, a natural there can be a kind of a natural movement towards as the more mindfulness there is, the more there is a natural movement towards the wholesome. We can also lose awareness in states of mind. We have particular states that we either think is um, you know, inappropriate or not what's supposed to be happening or simply a state of mind that we habitually get lost in. You know, boredom, depression, planning, ordinary experience, when things feel ordinary, Distractedness, sleepiness, dullness, restlessness, these states of mind. We can tend to get lost in these states of mind, lose awareness. So again, to be interested in, are there particular states of mind that you tend to uh, leave awareness with? For some it might be anxiety, for others it might be boredom. When one of the ways to recognize the places or one of the the kind of um, hmm, pointers for us about the states of mind in which we tend to lose awareness is that we will tend to be, if we have particular habitual patterns, we may, uh, where we lose awareness, we may be uh, waking up into those patterns. So that when we come back into awareness, what we come back into can sometimes be uh, 
a pointer to these kind of habitual ways that we lose awareness. So if you notice yourself waking up a lot into boredom, or you notice yourself waking up a lot into depression, these, these may be states that you tend to lose awareness with. And perhaps seeing that, you know, recognizing almost in retrospect, yeah, I tend to lose awareness when I get bored, or I tend to lose awareness when there's depression, or I tend to lose awareness when it feels like things are really ordinary. Um, Then when we find ourselves in that space, because often we do notice a little bit early on, you know, oh, boredom is arising, and we may have a little bit of ability to recognize boredom or distractedness, but um, very quickly we get lost. So again, it's kind of like being in that situation where we get lost, the, you know, washing the dishes or going into our room. When you notice the beginnings of that state, can you take an interest in, wow, here's that state, how does it happen that I get lost? This has been a, a, a really interesting exploration in my practice. There might be times, for instance, where in a particular sitting, you know, it, it, there might be patterns over the course of your life where you tend to get lost, and there might be a pattern in a particular sitting that's just coming up a lot where you tend to get lost. And, uh, you know, I, ha- I remember one sitting where... Um, I was um, in a state of disinterest. Disinterest was really strong. And um, I was really interested in disinterest. And even with that interest in disinterest, I would find, I, you know, I was, I was observing it, I was noticing disinterest and how it felt and what was going on. And then not very long later, like maybe... Four seconds later, I would see the mind was just off. It was gone. And it was happening so fast that it was, it was hard to see. But that increased my curiosity. Rather than like getting frustrated and like trying harder, it's like, ooh, that's interesting. You know, how does that happen? What happens there? So that, that the, um, again, the interest can be the thing that supports our exploration rather than it being a forcing of, I need, to fit, I need to do this, I need to figure this out, I need to hold myself in the present moment, I need to force myself to be with this disinterest rather than seeing, I got what, the way my mind phrased it is, where does the mind go when it, when it leaves? You know, where does the mind go when it leaves paying attention to that disinterest? So in exploring the, um, the ways that awareness gets lost, you know, the, the, the states of mind that awareness gets lost in, Again, as I've been saying over and over, um, I mean, we sometimes think particular states are impossible to uh, be aware of. You know, distraction, for instance, it almost seems the very definition of distraction is absence of awareness. 
And yet in the moment of uh, one of the ways we can begin to recognize the possibility of being aware of some of these states is in the moment of coming back into awareness. Sometimes we can uh, see, like for instance, we can wake up and, and recognize, wow, the mind is really distracted. So we can get a, a, a taste, a flavor of the possibility of being aware in that uh, moment when we wake up into those states. And getting that flavor, that that sense, that taste of what it's like to be aware of that state, we can begin to cultivate the uh, capacity to be aware of that state. So notice the state on waking up into it. So one, one, uh, another, this will be my last example here uh, this morning. Um, one morning I was having breakfast and I um, I noticed that the mind, and this is an, again an example of uh, a repeating getting lost in a particular period of time. So I was having breakfast, this was at home, not on retreat, and I kept noticing the mind spacing out and lost in spacing out. And I was practicing mindfulness and so my my agenda initially, my agenda was I'm eating breakfast, pay attention to eating breakfast. Notice the, you know, movement of my hand, the the t- touching of the food in my mouth, the taste, the chewing. So I was kind of directing my attention to that. And then poof Split second later, you know, just a few moments later, oh, I'd be lost in spacing out again. And come back, kind of consciously come back to the uh, eating breakfast and noticing that, and I'd notice it again. It happened several times, and, and after it happened several times, I began to get interested in that. Get interested in the spacing out itself. And so I... Um, Rather than trying to hold my attention on eating breakfast, having the agenda, being mindful, what being mindful means while eating breakfast is paying attention to the food, I got interested in, well, right now, I guess while eating breakfast, being mindful means being mindful of what the, what the mind is doing about it. And so I got curious about that spacing out. And I discovered that, you know, while paying attention to the eating, I began to see there was a, a kind of a, pull, uh, a losing of the connection with the sensations of eating breakfast. And in seeing that, rather than like saying, okay, we'll pay back attention to breakfast, I got like interest, well, where's the mind going? You know, I see the mind leaving, paying attention to eating breakfast, paying attention to that. Where, what's it doing? So again, following the awareness. So I followed the awareness and noticed it went and it felt like it came and sat up here about, you know, hovered about two feet above my head to the right, hung out there for a little while. And I could feel, I could, I could be aware of that experience. It was actually pretty pleasant. There was a, a sense of rest that the mind had. And Actually, I noticed in that place, being in that place of rest, that the mind was really quite tired, and it needed some rest. 
So hung, the mind hung out in that space for I don't know, a couple minutes, took its rest, and then that state vanished, and I was quite present with breakfast, with eating the meal. So, um, again, it's possible for the awareness to follow in places where you think inherently it's not possible. This is a lot of what I'm encouraging, this exploration, interest, curiosity in how does your mind get lost? Where does it go? What is your assumption? Do you have assumptions about the possibility of awareness in those states or the po- the, just the fact of it not being possible to be aware in those states? 